In this episode, we talk about our keyboards um, that may or may not be working. Uh, we talk about blogging, which may or may not be working. And we talk with a special guest uh, about his app CodeConf, and that is Powell. This is Contravariance, a podcast about Apple, Swift, and other programming related topics. Good evening, Benedict. Good evening, Buzz. How are you doing today? Um, I, I'm a bit stressed out, but that's because we will talk about that because we just released a new episode and our website was kind of down and that was very confusing to me. But other than that, I had a great day. I'm good, but that was uh, last minute business. Oh, yeah. It's, it's happened before. But yeah, like you said, we'll go into it. Um, today's actually uh, another special episode because we, uh, we have a guest, don't we, Ben? Right, we have a guest. So we have a special guest on our show today. We have Pavel. Pavel, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hello. Hello, Buzz. Hello, Benedict. Uh, well, I am a pharmacist who is learning uh, Swiss coding for a year and a half. And uh, I'm also a father of your child. Uh, so everything I work on Swift and uh, other idle things is on my uh, after hours because uh, pharmacy is my main job. And I think it's my short bio is, is about this. And I'm happy to uh, that uh, last Tuesday I launched my app, but I think I, we will talk a little bit later on it. Oh, definitely we will. Um, yeah, welcome. It's nice to, to have you with us today. Yeah, I'm happy to. That's um, great. <laughs> Before we talk in detail about your app and also about your profession, because it's really interesting that you are basically a iOS developer by night and have a different profession by day, um, we briefly talk about a couple of news that happened um, and that we want to talk about. Sure. So the first one is that I finally got my new MacBook. We've been talking about that a couple of times in the, uh, on this show that um, I was really looking forward to a new one, but then the Corona crisis hit, new machines weren't produced and the one I had ordered couldn't arrive. Now I have it and I'm very happy. The keyboard is so nice. I want to hug it. It's such a nice keyboard. I am in love with the keyboard. It's a very nice I machine. hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, like I, I, I like the keyboard. And I still have an old machine. I, I, I want to like the keyboard, but it has just started failing on me where the space bar is not super reliable anymore. Where I have double spaces all the time. The command key is not reliable enough. The H key is starting to, to act up and like 10% of my touch bar is gone. It's, it's like, a, it's like a zombie walking around. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound good. It sounds a bit like you like the keyboard, but it doesn't like you. Yeah, that's basically what it, what it comes down to. Very sad. Yeah, uh, it's it's tricky because um, th th I had one, this issue 
early, like in the first year of having the, the 2016 machine, I, I was traveling to a conference and I'm kind of a last minute slide guy. And so I was working on my slides and then the keyboard stopped working, like some keys. And it's tricky because you're traveling and you want to type and you can't. And there's no way around that. And um, yeah, ever since I've been traveling with a USB keyboard, an additional one, but why did it even come to that? And yeah, but the new one is so nice. So what about your keyboard? Have you had any issues, uh, Powell? Uh, no, I have ThinkPad keyboard because I work on Hackintosh and I love it. I work on W540 uh, model and this keyboard is great. I work on it six, uh, six years now and have no uh, key uh, broken or some double key uh, uh, as on MacBooks, nothing. nothing. So, I uh, last time I uh, saw that on uh, Lenovo has uh, released a new Bluetooth keyboard, with, which is the uh, ThinkPad keyboard, but uh, wireless. So mm -hmm. I was thinking about buying it uh, when I will be. Uh, making some uh, coding setup uh, for for myself with uh, some external display so right. i can recommend thinkpad keyboards because like, they are great <laughs> yeah six years without problems sounds good i i don't know like i don't have my imac shipped to to spain yet um because i if if i ship that which is hopefully soon uh, i'll also ship my keyboard which works fine it's just like bent pretty heavily and I don't know how and I don't know why. Uh, so yeah, you definitely seem to to have done the right thing with, with a different keyboard. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're doing all your development on a Hackintosh, including submitting to the App Store and everything? I this everything works uh, almost as as on MacBook. I have some issues because of hardware incompatibility, uh, but uh, I have Catalina now uh, installed and uh, with uh, Xcode and, uh, and uh, this, uh, there were any, any, any issues because of the hardware. So, so I'm pretty happy with, uh, with how it works. Nice. That's really cool. And is um, macOS the only thing you run on there, or do you like boot back and forth with Windows, or do you really uh, ju just run macOS? I have, I have dual boot, uh, but I use Windows. I think once uh, for a quarter uh, now, so I'm all I'm all in macOS now. That's really impressive. Wow. Quite decent because it's uh, i7 with uh, 32 gigabytes of RAM, uh, one terabyte of uh, SSD. So, so it's pretty cool machine, even if it's uh, six year old. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, on another topic, uh, I've recently been been wanting to, but struggling to write a blog post. Um, uh, and it's it's bugging me at this point because I have like a short backlog of things I want to write about 
And uh, one of those is also related to, to work, which is something uh, I can't share yet, but like the idea is to, to write a blog post first internally. Uh, and then uh, once we, we release things uh, also uh, to the outside and I'm like super excited about it, but it's so difficult and starting, starting blocking is, is so difficult. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. So, so last weekend I was, uh, I was reviewing a, a blog post of a friend and then it like really hit of like, I've not blocked in so long. <laughs> Have you had that as well, Bino, where it's like, I want to block, but I don't know how to write things because sometimes it seems like you've done something and then you like just post like a few blog posts about it in like a few days later. Right. So I have a lot of things I want to write about, but somehow I don't want to say I can't find the time because there's always time. Um, but it's... So once I'm done with something complicated, I'm so happy that I'm done with it that basically I'm eager to start on the next thing. And then I like I start on that and then I forget the details about what I just did. And then it would be tricky to to actually block about it. So this is what happens a lot to me. And I would like to write more. I've, I also have like multiple outlets where I could block and none of them get any updates. And I'm sad about that. But on the other hand, there's... I don't know. It's it just currently doesn't really work well for me. Yeah, I tried to block a few years ago, uh, but as I uh, wrote about one two blog posts, uh, then was a break and nothing uh, happened for many many years. So last uh, lastly, I. Re, uh, revamped my uh, personal site and write, uh, wrote about uh, two blog posts, one about uh, uh, machine learning and one about my uh, uh, about uh, my project, how it works from what uh, it happened. But uh, uh, I am not a writer. I like to write a code, but I do not like to write <laughs> a post about this code. It's hard so for you're me. A, so, so you're a code writer. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, but it's 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 so difficult for sure. Like, I would love to be better at it, but it's oh, yeah. It's it's also intense, I right? I think I have uh, not so much time to do it. I, when I have to share time between uh, daily job, family, coding, and yet uh, find time to write something I am coding about. Uh, it's, uh, it's days too short for this, uh, everything. Imagine also having meetings. Ah, uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. So, you know, you, you said you've, you've blogged a little uh, and you've blogged about your project. So tell us about it. What, what is your project all about and, and how did that start? Uh, this project is my second app I wrote. The first one uh, was just from start when I was uh, learning Swift and coding. It was uh, Family Graves map 
and uh, I decided to write about Jeff from start uh, because I found that uh, having to implement some feature learns you a lot more uh, than if you learn from a book and read how someone is uh, writing a code and you try to uh, redone in your uh, Xcode, yeah? So uh, this was about six months, the first uh, app. And uh, at this, that time I was uh, watching a lot of uh, conferences uh, to learn new design architectures, uh, something, um, how to implement things uh, in my app uh, and uh, how everything works. So I like this watching uh, uh, these videos, but I found that uh, it is hard to find them. I mm -hmm. knew about one, maybe two, three conferences because someone on Twitter uh, shares them uh, when the videos appeared. Uh, but uh, when I was Googling, uh, there were a lot, lot more conferences uh, with awesome content. So I decided that uh, having the app when these all conferences are in one place uh, would be awesome to uh, have some uh, backlog what you have watched uh, so you can get back to this certain um, uh, to this certain uh, conference uh, to this talk because you found that uh, there is a uh, feature uh, you want to learn or maybe implement in, in your project. Mm -hmm. So this was the idea uh, for this uh, for this app, um, and uh, it was November uh, 2019, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there were some. Uh, things uh, that uh, pushed me to make it in Swift UE because learning uh, half of a year UE kit uh, was not uh, too much uh, mm -hmm. as I then knew. Uh, so uh, I decided to go with Swift UE because I liked the ease of making uh, UE for the for the for the app, uh, and uh, it was very easy. Uh, I nice. in few days I was uh, I had drafts for almost uh, whole the app uh, made, and uh, of course uh, there was uh, the idea that this app should also have some API, so where, mm -hmm. from where uh, this all uh, data for the app is pull, uh, pulled, and uh, I decided also to use Vapor to go full stack Swift. So mm -hmm. the app has um, brand new Swift UI framework uh, on the user interface and uh, on the backend is the Vapor now 4, uh, current version 4. But uh, at first it was Vapor uh, 3. So, so I'm a right. full stack Swift developer now. Yeah, so you also just took up like the, the whole backend and did all of that by yourself. Yeah. Everything is uh, written by me, so I have to uh, write an uh, API and then uh, add some things to the app uh, so they talk with each other. Yeah. 
That's really cool. That's really impressive. Is um, the backend also written in Swift with Vapor, for example? Oh, yeah. Nice. The vi uh, backend is in Vapor 4. So. Are you sharing code between backend and the app? Uh, not yet. I have two different projects uh, created in Xcode. Uh, I have some copy-paste code, uh, but I found that uh, it will be easier for me to maintain two code bases for it. And um, now I think that with iOS 14 uh, and the new uh, schema for uh, Swift UE project, I maybe will try to um, uh, to connect this uh, uh, to one uh, repository and one project uh, because um, then uh, I will maybe uh, share more code, at least a model uh, for for it. But I'm not sure yet. For now, it's easier to have uh, have it uh, disconnected. But that sounds really interesting. So. I, it sounds like you have a lot of opportunities for blog posts. Yes, I have many opportunities. I also use uh, Bridges and SwiftQL uh, by iMike, uh, uh, who wrote uh, PostgreSQL uh, driver for uh, advanced use uh, in Vapor. It's not as uh, fluent uh, as ORM. Uh, uh, it's a relational mapper, but it's plain uh, uh, DSL for SQL queries to the database. So um, with, uh, with this, uh, I was uh, talking a lot with iMike on his Discord, and uh, I have lot of backlog to push to the documentation for this project uh, because he helped me with some issues. Uh, so this is the first I should, uh, I think, uh, write about and then maybe some blog posts also about it. Oh, but I think that, that having ideas to blog about, like that's mostly not the issue. It's about actually like figuring out what do I want to write how do I start writing, uh, as well as finding the time uh, to do that? Yeah, I think that the, the, the time for writing and uh, having to uh, create this this post is uh, the most uh, hard uh, part of of, uh, of posting. Right. So you know you you've you've built an app uh, you've built an app with SwiftUI and and using all these new technologies and that's that's super cool. Um, I mean we've been using SwiftUI at work a bit. Uh, we haven't shipped anything uh, just yet, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, what is your opinion on uh, what Apple has announced at WWDC? Because there's a lot of new stuff in SwiftUI. There's a lot of new things with widgets and. Uh, I've heard, uh, like a friend of mine, he said, like, I feel like rewriting my whole app after this year's WWDC. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about that? I have similar feelings. I <laughs> think, uh, that, um, I will try to rewrite it to, uh, home Swift UI, uh, schema. 
because I find uh, that current version of Swift 2e is uh, a little bit buggy. Uh, it's uh, it has on iOS 13 a lot of crashes uh, where you have cannot do anything to uh, <laughs> to fix it. Uh, I have uh, in my uh, in my uh, Sentry crash logs. Uh, I have uh, issues from iOS 13, which uh, when people are using uh, beta uh, iOS 14, there uh, these uh, crashes disappear. So uh, right. I have big hopes with uh, next version of uh, iOS and and next version of with Swift because it's a lot more stable as I see. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're also now aware of how to file a feedback and like you send a bunch to Apple, like you've also figured out that they probably don't respond to most of them or, uh, or have you not filed any feedbacks yet? Uh, I have filed uh, feedback for uh, recommendation model from uh, CoreML uh, because uh, when I, this is one of features in my app uh, where recommendations to uh, watch uh, talks are based on your interaction and other users interaction with uh, with these talks and uh, you have to learn this model from my scoring table as I name it uh, and this model uh, has some bugs when uh, you cannot train it you have to sometimes uh, remove the uh, writing column from this uh, calculation because otherwise it won't work. So I feel, filed uh, uh, feedback on it, but uh, then I filed updates for this feedback and silence for now, nothing uh, <laughs> from the April on it. Right, so you've also done machine learning. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, so this is one of uh, the uh, coolest feature I think uh, for, for this uh, because uh, now as uh, people are uh, started uh, using my app, this is one week uh, they are using it, um, I am calculating new uh, model and I, I am updating it remotely. So when user makes some interactions uh, with talks, uh, I see it on my backend and uh, having uh, option to remotely uh, uh, train this model and then uh, upload to user devices so they can use it without uh, updates. Mm -hmm. That's cool. And there's one thing uh, I can add to this uh, from this WWDC that uh, Apple announced that we can do these updates uh, from the uh, App Store Connect now. Uh, so uh, the model is deployed uh, with some uh, automation on the Apple side. You don't oh, have cool. to use uh, your own backend for this purpose. That's nice. So, I mean, after machine learning, I don't know if there's anything better, but like, what is something you're really proud of in this app or something you've learned along the way? Like what is memorable where you really feel like, hey, that is something that 
you know, was really cool to learn about or really cool to implement, uh, what would that be? Uh, the one thing, I think, uh, the one thing is that uh, everyone can code. I think mm -hmm. this is the main thing. I'm uh, uh, making some uh, review from the this time, uh, nine months, or I was in, uh, writing this code. Uh, so uh, even if you are not a coder uh, or a programmist, you will not have any. A computer science degree, you also can code. I am pharmacist mm -hmm. with uh, 15 years of experience in pharmacy, and uh, I like IT from my childhood, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I was connected to it, but um, to, uh, I decided to learn Swift in back um, on 9, 2018. And mm -hmm. in this time, I learned so much things about uh, coding, how to implement things, how things should work. Uh, so uh, this is possible. If someone wants to learn, uh, you have to have a passion to do it and find some time, which is sometimes hard. Uh, I also, <laughs> it was hard to miss to find this time. Uh, right. But it is possible, and my app, uh, second app, is in App Store now. Yes, that's fantastic. I also feel that this is really, really impressive because not only did you learn iOS development, you also learned server-side development and machine learning, and you did it all while having a day job and a family. So, and that in two years. And then there's also Apple releasing new stuff every year that you have to keep up with, like SwiftUI and so on. So, I'm impressed. This is really cool. Thanks, Benedict. So you said that in, in 2018, uh, you started programming. Um, what happened? Why, why at that point? Uh, and why Apple? Uh, well, I thought, was thinking about uh, how to uh, make some of my interest in IT uh, to maybe make some money from it and I during the research I found that uh, App Store is uh, more convenient with uh, making money uh, from it uh, so uh, I uh, at that time I also didn't have uh, an iPhone yet uh, because I have only the borrowed device uh, for a few months and I liked how it worked, and uh, this uh, I think uh, I think this was the case that uh, in, I was using Android devices a lot uh, before that time, and uh, how fluent iOS was, uh, and how the things uh, look um, nice uh, was the thing that I decided maybe. I will try this one. I have mm -hmm. a little episode with trying to code for Android, sorry. Uh, and uh, it was hard for me to learn Java and uh, um, I thought that uh, this maybe will be easier for me to understand, to get some uh, architecture, uh, how things work and, and it worked. So when mm -hmm. I, the first one, uh, 
first uh, good code uh, was started to work, uh, and and time goes on, and I was uh, happy to to learn new things, implement next features, and and I'm in almost two years. It will be yeah, that's that's great. Um, I remember that I did a little bit of Android like years ago. And I think at that point, Kotlin wasn't out, so it was all pure Java. And I think I never got further than this initial, you know, struggle that I had with iOS, where it was like, I don't understand this, right? And then it's like, okay, now, now I get it. And then like, you go to the next chapter, or like the next video, and it's like, okay, never mind, I do not understand. <laughs> and with iOS, I, I kept that up. And with Android, I, I dropped out at some point. I feel like um, one thing that for me when I started with this really played into it was when you first start what it's called an IntelliJ Studio or Android Studio, you have this huge amount of folders that are auto-generated for a new project with tons of files. And I feel the more files and folders, the more confusing it is. And it used to be, I remember when I started with Xcode, it also created a new project and there were like seven files. So you haven't done anything yet. And there are already seven things that you're first to understand. And what I like about what Apple did this year with SwiftUI is basically a new project that is pure SwiftUI is only two files or maybe one folder. I, I, I don't have the details, but it's so reduced. So there's so much less overhead, so much less noise that you as a beginner first have to understand and know your way around. I love that. Yeah, this is uh, a lot easier to understand for, for the big, beginner. And you can learn also Swift is, uh, I found Swift uh, easy to uh, learn. I was learning also PHP some time ago. Uh, uh, and um, syntax for Swift is uh, quite uh, easy to understand uh, because of its nature. Yeah, It's uh, like a spoken language as I read at first uh, Swift docs and uh, this introduction, uh, introductory book. Uh, so I learned a lot uh, from just this one uh, and some things was clear enough to uh, start using them, of course. Then I have to learn closures, which was hard. <laughs> till till oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, imagine, imagine blocks, imagine blocks. In yeah. Objective-C, they're even worse. Mm. I haven't uh, used Objective-C at all. I uh, haven't uh, browsed any source code in Objective-C. You're, mis so... you're missing out. It's like Swift only better in, in, in every <laughs> instance. <laughs> are, are you using any uh, like third-party dependencies that are Objective-C? Uh, for now, I think the only one is Sentry I use, uh, which is partly written in uh, Objective C. Right. But it's, so, uh, it's, uh, it has uh, Swift, uh, Swift wrappers around, uh, right. so, so I don't use directly this uh, Objective C codes, but right. uh, with, uh, with these wrappers around. I mean, let me tell you, if you're using SwiftUI, you're using UIKit, and UIKit is written in, in Objective-C, so you can't escape it completely. <laughs> yeah, I am aware that I use 
uh, Yuri kids uh, behind the Swiss TV. So I'm also using uh, some UE kit with uh, UEView rep representables because Swiss UE doesn't have any every um, every uh, view implemented yet. So I had right. to down uh, go down to to the uh, uh, UE kit. Right. So you can put on your resume, you know, Swift, Objective C, Swift UI, Vapor. All PHP, <laughs> yeah. machine learning. Yeah, oh, I, I will be updating uh, my uh, CV uh, soon with uh, with my new uh, code cons app, uh, code cons app, because I didn't tell you the name of my app yet. <laughs> uh, you're, you you have to step up your marketing game. Yeah, my marketing <laughs> is down. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to uh, prepare some uh, websites for for this app, so so people can uh, learn uh, something more about it. So yeah, for now, for now, it's um, only uh, my blog post about this uh, project, which is quite a longy and uh, written. Uh, just uh, I had I, an idea to. Uh, to make it uh, just for myself uh, to have some history from uh, um, about this this project and right. uh, it was quite quite a nice to to write it because besides of that I do not like writing a blog post yeah yeah you might not like writing it but the the end result is good to have yeah yeah. So, Pavel, um, there's a lot of data in your app, right? There are uh, speakers and conferences and so on. And um, there's probably not a API that you can use to get this data because you wrote your own API. So um, where did you get the data from? Did you all enter it yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, all data is uh, get uh, from uh, conference or uh, websites. Uh, from uh, YouTube channels uh, and uh, from shadows because uh, everywhere when it was possible I tried to keep the order of the talks uh, the same as it was in con during the conference so the timeline is uh, uh, is where possible it is the same as uh, as uh, conference was uh, going uh, through so it was uh, hard uh, manual work. I have now uh, 480 talks in my database from 11 conferences and about uh, 33 uh, episodes from these uh, conferences. So uh, it uh, and uh, I have uh, some new next conferences to uh, to grab. Uh, uh, we, where I have permission to, to stream them in, in my app. Uh, so soon it will be um, some more in, in the app. That's also really impressive and a lot of work. I, I, I can only imagine. Yeah, it, it was hard. Uh, so you have to uh, get info about speakers uh, from some contact information uh, from them. 
so because I want to make uh, this app connecting uh, speakers uh, with conference organizers and with uh, with uh, developers who watch them. Uh, so you watch the talk and want to uh, ask uh, the speaker uh, about some details from this talk. So. Whenever possible, I have uh, links to the to their website, to their Twitters, uh, or um, maybe LinkedIn or some uh, GitHub repositories. Uh, so, uh, where this uh, information was available to me, uh, I was uh, gathering uh, all this all this data, and everything is uh, accessible for for my users now. That's nice. That's nice. So uh, yeah, I think that was uh, it was really interesting. I think it's it's awesome to hear, uh, and I think it's always awesome to hear about, especially the people that don't have a background in programming, and just you know pick it up and like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn this, and I'm not gonna give up until until an app is there. Uh, and I really I really admire that. Uh, so it was great hearing about your your experience there, um, and. Congratulations on shipping an app. That's fantastic, and Thank I'm very much looking forward to uh, to how people will uh, will start using it and, and what their thoughts are, and also how you will be developing developing it further. Of yeah, course. or the or yeah. the other things you're going to learn and to do based and and what you're going to add to that. So I'm really looking forward to see that. Ooh, yeah. and all the blog posts. Oh, <laughs> right. that will be sweet. Right. Oh, and uh, let, let's focus on the codes, maybe, uh, because it will be easier for me <laughs> to ship new features to the app and not the uh, blog posts about features I want to ship, and then I will not have time to sh to ship them because I will I am writing the blog posts. Right. Right. <laughs> So that was a really good episode. Um, thanks for joining us. And again, it's a really cool product and it's really impressive what you did there. Um, and also uh, to everybody else, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot um, for having me on. Yeah, uh, we're glad to, to have you on. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to hearing you and maybe seeing you again at some point when there's a big new update. Yeah, I hope I can uh, join some conference and meet uh, you in person when the situation will be better than it is now. Yeah, that would be awesome. Ooh. Yeah, let's hope so. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thanks for, listening. for listening. Bye. Bye. So. We didn't talk yet about what happened to the previous episode that was released today, um, but the server didn't work. Basically, the episode wasn't released. And um, that happened before, and I thought I had fixed... What? Once, once or, or twice. twice at least. And I thought, I, I thought <laughs> I'd fixed this problem once and for all. No, I hadn't. Um, but I was very confused when I tried to fix it this time because I thought I had fixed it and because I had rewritten the whole thing. So I will briefly talk about the past. Um, so what we have is um, whenever we merge something on GitHub into a repository, there's a GitHub webhook and that calls a web service on a server and this web service then does a git reset on a repository and then a git pull 
and then basically that updates the website. So the website is updated whenever we merge something to master um, via a Git webhook. And in the past, the web service was a 10-line Python script using the built-in Python web server. And the, the problem there is this thing is not meant for production. It's not certainly not memory safe. Um, and there are lots of bad actors out there. What they do is they search for open ports and then they try um, malicious payloads to bring down the server or to, or to find a buffer overflow. And so those would connect to the Python server and break the Python server. It wouldn't crash. It wouldn't open necessarily something into the like a um, bug or a security hole, but it, it wouldn't work correctly anymore. And what I would, what I had done was basically every couple of, of weeks I would restart the Python server because I'm lazy. But that, that wasn't really a good solution. And so half a year ago maybe I rewrote this web server as a very small lightweighted Rust server. So basically it's memory safe, um, there's, there's lots of stuff going on to make sure that it can't really be attacked. And I deployed that. Um, now, since this is running on the server and it has to communicate with the GitHub web webhook, there's a secret involved. So there's some sort of a secret key that is submitted to make sure that not anybody can call this webhook. Um, and this secret key is part of a configuration in this new web service, in this, this uh, Rust web service. Um, but I didn't want to put it into our repository because then it would be public, right? Because the repository is public. Um, and so what I did was I deployed the web service together with our repository to the server and then modified the configuration on the server. What I forgot was that this web service is part of our repository. And so when we, when we merge something to master, what happens is that we do a git reset and a git pull on the repository that also contains the web service. So that means the local modification to the configuration file that I had done on the server were overwritten. Um, each time we did a git pull, we, we, we did a merge to master because they were not part of the repository. There was never a problem because that um, that server, the, the service, that was running all the time. I had started it once and basically it was running all the time and I had also set it up that when the server is rebooted, it is restarted. So in, from my perspective, it was all running great. A um, couple of days ago, there was a maintenance event for that particular server and that was the first time that the server was restarted. Um, and by doing that, the service was restarted with the default configuration file, which had the wrong key. Um, and so that's why the webhook didn't work, because the key was wrong and the key was part of the local configuration. And I was very confused because I went onto the server to, and I looked at that and I couldn't, basically, I couldn't find the web service because the web service that I could find had the wrong configuration and it was like, how does this work? I can't find the web service with the correct configuration, but it should be here because it has worked before. And it took me some time to understand mm -hmm. that the reset that goes into the repository obviously also resets the webhook. So that, that was stupid. It, it, yeah, it's oh, fixed God. now. Um, it won't happen again once I merge something to master that I prepared earlier, but that was... And I, I can't really think when I'm under time pressure. And the, the, the episode was released and um, it didn't work, it wasn't online, and I felt pressured, and this recording came up. 
I think I need a beer. But yes. it's all fixed. It's, it's all, all fixed. You can I, have yeah. a beer. I, I, ha- I have idea for you, yes. Maybe you write uh, this uh, backend for the website in Viper for it supports the ends the dot end files when you can store your secrets without touching the uh, public repository. So that's what I should have done from the beginning using an end file because that's also supported by the Rust framework. I just didn't because I was lazy um, and. That's what I fixed today. I was like, yeah, it, it, maybe it's useful to use these. And so mm-hmm. I did that. So very good point. You should have, you, you fixed, should have told you, me earlier. You, fixed, be, you yeah. fixed being lazy? No, I, I will not fix that. <laughs> uh, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, on, topics, on the topic of filing a feedback, like we've also told GitHub a few times, like, hey, you know, we, you know what would be great? We have these webhooks. If something fails, you know, you could let us know. You could send us an email. Wouldn't yes. that be great? But yeah, that, until now is also a little bit of a black yeah. hole. So who knows? Maybe one yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we fix one webhook issue after the other, and it's in a couple of years we have a rock solid stable webhook solution that we can sell as a startup. Millions of dollars coming for the webhook solution that we have in store. I think you're onto <laughs> something here.